This podcast has been underwritten by Cape Cod Healthcare because investing in the arts creates a healthier community. Welcome to the Creative Exchange Podcast, a series of conversations with Cape Cod creatives. This project is a collaboration between the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod and Provincetown Community Television. Recorded here at the Night Owl Recording Studio at the Cultural Center of Cape Cod in Yarmouth. Welcome to the Creative Exchange Podcast. I'm Amy Davies, the Executive Director of Provincetown Community Television. And I'm Julie Wake, the Executive Director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. Today we're here with Emily Ruddick, Executive Director of Mass Creative, and portrait painter Joe Hay. Prior to leading Mass Creative, an organization that works with artists, leaders, and supporters of the arts to advocate for resources and support necessary to make Massachusetts a creativity-driven state, Ruddick served as the artistic producer at Merrimack Repertory Theater and worked as the first director of Lynn, Massachusetts' downtown cultural district, where she drafted legislation establishing the city's first public art commission. In her spare time, she enjoys creating ceramic art as a potter. Hi. Hi. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Meanwhile, Hay was the first recipient of the Lillian Orlowski and William Freed Foundation grant in 2010 and has received numerous recognition for her work since. She has been featured in several publications, including the Boston Globe and Provincetown Magazine. Her latest portrait series, Persisters, is an ongoing series of large-scale portrait paintings representing trailblazing women in their pursuit of justice. She currently lives and works in Provincetown. So welcome to you both. Hi, and thank you for having me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're really excited to have both of you here together. And I thought it was a really cool idea. Emily and I were talking about arts and advocacy and the work that she does and, you know, how much work it is to bring the attention to the arts to our legislators. And it was actually Emily's idea. Let's put together, you know, let me sit with an artist who's actually telling the stories of what's happening in our world today, which... Joe, you represent. So we're really excited to have you both here and would love to learn a little bit more about what you both do. Sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, so if I, this is Emily, if I if I can start. So at Mass Creative, we think of our work in a couple of different ways. We think of our work, one, as raising the visibility of the impact that artists and arts organizations and cultural organizations have in making our communities better connected and whole and telling the stories about com- about individuals or populations that are often left out of our dialogue. And that's an incredibly important and powerful thing that, um, that the creative sector brings to the Commonwealth. And so we really try to elevate that and make sure people know about that value add. And then Simultaneously, we're also really trying to figure out through public policy and regulation ways that Massachusetts can create the conditions to have a really thriving creative sector so that artists who make our communities more vibrant and more connected and more empathetic have permanent places in those communities, that they're able to make a living through their work, that our cultural organizations that become centers and spaces where exchange can happen and honest differences of opinion can be brought together, have the support they need to continue to do that work. And so it is, it's really, it's this this interesting mix of sharing these recommendations and advocating and educating, as well as reminding folks about the, the real the real specific need for artists and and a creative community in Massachusetts and all of the ways that it weaves through making Massachusetts a great place to live and to work and to play. I was talking with a, a friend the other day and he said, when you invite someone to visit you in Boston, you don't take them and show them the highway. You take them to uh, the symphony or you take yeah. them to a theater production or you take them to the public art that's been created throughout the city. Mm-hmm. And that that's what we think of when we think about our cities and about our communities and our towns. Mm. So As a true. painter, it's so lovely to hear all of this, isn't it? I mean, I what bet. tremendous support. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's usually the other way around. You know, 
arts are getting cut and this and that and the other. So that's fantastic yeah. what you're doing. Oh, thanks. I know. When I learned about Mass Creative, I thought the same thing. I said, this is for the arts. This is an incredible like resource for all of us as an arts leader. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much about advocacy through Mass Creative mm-hmm. and have been able to kind of relay that to our community here. And so it's, I always look for direction from Mass Creative. Okay, what are they up to? Well, I will say, Julie, you and Lauren and a couple of other folks on the Cape have really taken and embraced the grassroots organizing model that mm-hmm. our our founding executive director, Matt Wilson, sort of baked into the DNA of mm. Mass Creative to say that the, the people, the people power that make that education happen are throughout the Commonwealth and our artists, our individuals who live in communities and care about having a thriving creative community in mm-hmm. their downtown or in their, mm-hmm. their Main Street. And mm-hmm. it's been so great to sort of watch how <laughs> Cape Cod art, arts leaders have sort of taken this on and said, like, OK, how are we going to do this with you? We've seen that in a couple of other pockets across the Commonwealth. And when that sort of partnership happens, real change occurs. Absolutely, because we can sit here and, and complain about stuff, but it's like the it's in the action, yeah. right? So coming mm-hmm. together and then also having artists like Joe who are telling the stories. Tell us a little bit about you, Joe. How did you find yourself on Cape Cod? I came kicking and screaming. I didn't want to come. I lived in the city and I was concrete all the way. And I just remember feeling sort of grumpy all the way up. And of course, the minute we turned the corner on off Snail Road and could see this sort of sweeping bay of Provincetown, I was just in love. Mm-hmm. Did I mention I was in New York? That's where, that's, yeah. that's where I was. And that was it, really. I just, I just knew I needed to be here. Um, it was time. It was time because I felt creatively I couldn't, I couldn't find the work that I needed to make. And I felt, I f- it felt that New York was bigger than me, which mm. it always will be. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I, I needed a, a sort of a smaller, not less vibrant, but just a smaller place to sort of gather my thoughts. And mm. it, there was no question. I turned that corner, and this was the place, Provincetown. Mm. That's so interesting, Joe. Um, thinking about how that there's no one right place for art to occur and for artists to thrive. You know, I mean, Provincetown obviously has a storied history as a as a real creative community and a yes. place that has supported and welcomed artists, but it is it's interesting to see you can you can thrive. I know artists who thrive and and love living in Dorchester or or Jamaica Plain and then those that are in Greenfield and are I love what you were saying about the space to think. Yes. And to create, and I'd love. Would you mind sharing a little bit about how you, what your process was like? It's it, it. The thrust of my painting career has been to find a way in which to make my own work. I think oh. I was desperate for a system with which to make work, mm-hmm. like to have a beginning, a middle, and an end to, to sort of technically make a painting, and that took me a long time to establish. And I, in that journey, have painted pretty much everything you could have, ever think of, apart from landscapes. I didn't really. Mm-hmm maybe once or twice but I've painted animals and you know still lives and the whole nine yards to get technically proficient and still didn't feel as though I was proficient enough so I went to grad school in 2010 to 2012 and that time period sort of showed me that I actually did have enough technical knowledge because I'd scoured museums and all you know anything I could because pre-internet I'd done all of the sort of legwork and research which was fabulous really um I had enough technical ability. What I was lacking was the content or what I was going to paint. What was what was the subject that I needed to marry to my way of painting to make the most successful work? So that was really the, the moment at which I left New York trying to find that that subject matter. And it's it was it's really been sort of thrown upon me it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't um you know I could still be painting still lives and, and 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 love all that but this the moment that the 2016 election results came out it something not just for me but something changed dramatically and I was afraid for the first time in my life you know mm-hmm. I've lived a very privileged existence and I truly was fearful of nuclear possibilities let's say I looked for women to help me understand where we were in the world and I thought if I can just immerse myself in the thoughts and the the the, the things that this person was either saying or doing 
I could have some kind of internal support. Mm. So I painted Rachel Maddow because she was speaking about the Trump administration and Russia and trying to, you know, figure out what was going on. And it went from there. It went from Rachel Maddow to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The next painting was Emma Gonzalez, and that was something that sort of came out of the blue for me. Mm. I was looking for, for people who were sort of established as in these roles of being not so much a mentor, but a, a someone to look up to or someone to, to garner information from. But Emma came out of a very tragic moment. And then the decision to paint her or not was sort of, it took me a while because I wasn't sure whether, is was it exploitative to paint somebody who was in pain or was it necessary to paint somebody or, or mm. many other, you know, there were many other words that came up. Mm. But she was, I, I went with it because it felt so, it felt true and it did feel right to paint her. So I just tried not to over question everything and, and carried on. So I've been making work that's a combination of women who I feel are established in what they do and I still lean on them. And then these other women who are sort of coming out from left field. I just finished Marie Ivanovich. Mm. Um, mm. I want to start painting Fiona Hill. Mm. So mm. particularly she's from my neck of the woods in England. So <laughs> yeah. um, that's, I don't, I'm not sure whether I answered yeah. your question, but that's that's... Yeah, pretty much the, the process. I just want to, um, I got this from your website about this exhibit, Persisters, which is a series of women portraits who are trailblazers, as you mentioned. And I really, um, this resonated with me. It said, the series approaches politics from a humanitarian angle, which is inherently female. And I just thought that was a really powerful statement. That that's my sense of uh, yeah. my feeling. You know, I feel that I'm way reading, as well. <laughs> you know, yes. I, I think that you know women will fix everything. <laughs> they would certainly do it very differently, and very I'd like to see that. Yes. I'd like to give women a chance, a big enough chance, a broad enough chance to see what that difference would be. You know, there are characters in history who've who've females who have acted like men when they've mm-hmm. been given power. You know, mm-hmm. so there's it's not necessarily going to be all golden when we get our way. But I would like to see it at least. So how do you go through the process of selecting a portrait? Because this portrait series is pretty powerful. It's very large. Can you tell us how big, what the scale is? Each individual painting painting is 48 by 60, Mm. which is four feet by five feet. And I make sure the composition is the same in each one. I, I really want just a headshot sort of and the 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 sitter to be looking at the audience. I want the most direct gaze because it's the most intrusive. Mm. It sort of goes to your heart or it goes to somewhere that you kind of, you have to deal with emotionally. But in this instance, the reaction to these paintings, and I believe it's because the women are looking at you, has a very large part to do with it. The the combination of people recognizing these figures and the fact that they're looking at you, I think makes them the most powerful for other women who are looking at them because mm. as I was about to explain the reaction to them has been tremendous and I, I know it's because these women recognize these women yes. you know if I just painted a bunch of us and, and put them in the room I think people would like them but there certainly wouldn't be this overwhelming often tearful reaction to this mm. work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you have a very as you said, you were, you've been working on your technical side of your painting, and I don't know if this plays a role in it, but you trick us. So when I'm up close, <laughs> I see something very different than when I step back. There's like a play with that, with the visual, with the, the person looking at me yes. up close versus back, because I see a lot. There's so many layers of colors, and it's just, it's incredibly technical what you're doing. It's not, the end product is not an intentional, this is how I'm going to paint and this is how I am going to, uh, I'm going to make big marks. It just sort of came naturally to make marks. So I sort of just tried to exploit my own process and just mm, made bigger versions of my uh, what I do. I think that's hopefully why they remain, there's some level of authenticity in them still because it's... I know for myself, when I look at other people's work, the thing that I'm most interested in is the search. The search to find the solution to make something mm-hmm. look dimensional. That's if you're painting representationally. Yeah. If it's ab- abstract, I have a, another set of criteria to, to look <laughs> at it with. But it's, I'm, 
I'm fascinated by how different people solve the same problem visually, and to to, to witness the search is is the most exciting. It's the most alive part for me. So mm. I try to leave that in my work. I, I try to sort of keep it balanced in this state of resolve and collapse at the same time. And I want you to be able to see all the paint that's there. It's 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 to be as true and open and authentic as I can be with the way I made the work and my belief in women making, you know, that they would make make a better job of things if, if they were given <laughs> the chance. I have a question about um, giving yourself space to think like you were saying you knew when you arrived mm. in Provincetown. And I think a lot of people, of course, talk about the gorgeous light in Provincetown and think of landscape painting. So how does atmosphere and location help you resolve what you're working on since you're not doing a visual representation of place? And I think this kind of works mm -hmm. into what you were saying about people. <clears throat> Some people do well in cities and other people need more isolation. So how, how does giving yourself the space help with your process? Well, I think really it's... It, it, Initially, it's distraction because you mm. sort of, you know, you're living in New York, you step your toe out of the door and your whole life is a buzz with everything. People wanting things, <laughs> you know, you're spending money. It just is a whole other level of existence. So to be away from all that and to be in a in a really stunningly beautiful environment, which is equally, mm. I think, uh, alive and mm as vibrant as, as New York, definitely, in terms of the sort of the glorious geographical possibilities mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. It just, it soothed me, I guess, to not be, that I could go to this and not have it make demands upon me the minute that I stepped into it. And then just literal things, like there was, there's, there was less of everything. So I was making different choices and making more choices based on different criteria. It wasn't just, oh, I have to go and see this, I have to do that, and I've got to do that, and I've got to be there, and I've got to be... I, I was actually sort of thinking, okay, well, I've got like two hours now. What what would I like to do? That was very different. That mm -hmm. That is a massive shift for me. In, in fact, right in the very beginning, it was actually difficult for me to sort of get to grips with the amount of space that I had here. I felt like I had mental space suddenly. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking and saying to everybody, Shall we do something? Shall we do something? <laughs> it, it, it kind mm -hmm. of, it took yeah. a while to sort of, and now I feel like I've gone the other way, that I'm, you know, I get to New York I'm, and I'm dazzled. As much as I love it still, and it's right yeah. in my DNA, you know, as soon as you cross the, the GW Bridge, you kind of, I go, oh. But it's, <laughs> mm -hmm. that, that, that was a visual demonstration. Yeah. <laughs> it translate cool. by... Yeah. <laughs> Joe's body physically reset. It was a really beautiful electric <laughs> performance art. Yeah. Because I have found that I lately have kind of stopped being, I, I was certainly wasn't in New York. I live in Harwich. I work in Provincetown. But giving myself space has really just helped with everything. It's helped with my art and, and taking in the the landscape and the beauty and not necessarily feeling that that had to be my art. You know, just sort of absorbing, yes. absorbing it all and then translating it into what I wanted to stay, say instead mm -hmm. of being yeah. represent, representational with it. And so I was I was just curious it, it, about that is an interesting question, because mm -hmm. there was a moment where I thought, how can I be a Provincetown painter if I'm not literally replicating something of my life here? Sorry, I, I, this, I'm taking a breath in, and I, I'm thinking about how you are absolutely replicating mm. your life. It's not mm. the physical life; it's the emotional and psychic life that yes. we are we are sort of mm. moving through in this moment. I think that there are probably a lot of people who, in the 2016 election, felt galvanized towards action. And mm. you know, Mass Creative is a nonpartisan organization, and and we have seen people from you know, the entire spectrum of sort of political ideologies feel galvanized and feel, um, you know, in the in post-2016, Mass Creative saw an enormous spike in folks wanting to get involved and saying, I'm going to take back 
the decision-making power that I seem to have ceded to social media or to mm-hmm. other decision-makers and, and reminding themselves of their ability to participate. Mm-hmm. And and I really, I bring that up to say I was really struck by what you said about how in 2016 you looked to these, almost like these North Stars of females yes. of, or, or, or uh, female-identifying individuals who could lend that and finding those people that that natural instinct and impulse to want to find those people yes. is so fascinating that that's what many of us were doing yes. at yes. that moment. Yes. Joe, have you seen a shift in the way people respond to you now through this show through the persisters have you seen any have you felt any kind of satisfaction with the the impact of the work yet? Absolutely. This the, Prior to this show at the Commons, I was I had two or three two or three of those paintings at the gallery that I had with my wife a couple of years ago, and even at that time there was real emotional response from people. Like Mm -hmm. as I mentioned before, that women would literally cry in front of these paintings, and and that, as I said before, I believe it's the recognition of these women. They know they know these women and they trust them and they feel connected to them. Obviously, I have to make the painting, so I'm involved some somewhere in there. But yeah. it's 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 not it's not just me. It's a, mm. it's a combination of things going on and and the moment and everything that these women bring to the paintings too. So, but to be to be part of that is like it's a tremendous honor to have. It, it's feeling like an honor now because people are coming and saying. Is, is Joe going to paint? Is she going to paint Marie Ivanovich yet? Is she going to paint? They ask my partner, my wife Carolyn, yeah. you know, on Facebook, is Joe going to paint this one, that one, the other one yet? So that, this, mm. the, yes, they, 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 they're getting into people's psyches in a different way than I had anticipated. I thought, you know, they would just be shown. People might like them or not like them and, and recognize them and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. But it's, I guess they're doing what I would would in my deepest, wildest dreams would like to think that I could do, which is to support other people. It's, there is some of that happening. Is the response affecting who you are thinking about, including in your next series? Not, no. I'm, okay. I, I'm, I try to... There, there's such a labor of love, each, mm. each painting, because it takes... Some of them are more difficult than others. I don't know why. The ones that I think are going to be, you know... This will be, you know, I'll get this one because I have such and such a feeling about this person or whatever. Yeah. And then I can be tormented by that person, <laughs> which ah. doesn't mean to say I end up disliking. There's no, yeah. It's, yeah. I'm just tormented by the process. Yeah. Do you think that the more you respond to the person, is it, are you finding the people that you have the strongest response to the hardest for you to paint? Sometimes, yes. And it's a combination of, of finding decent reference material. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually, you know, have yeah. to find few bits and pieces of from different shots and the, mm-hmm. the light source is different in some and, and it means I, I'm I'm not good at inventing inventing I need to respond to something whether it's a still life or you know a mm-hmm. house or whatever I need that object in front of me to paint so the reference material is very important so I do spend some time gathering what I will paint from because I've learned by many moments of being lazy that it does not work so that you can cut corners. <laughs> yeah, no. true that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? We and know that's exactly like what... The, stitch that on a pillow. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 Totally. And yeah. how in the, the search for source material must also uh, be a big part of processing your... your Because to me, it's, it sounds like you you say you want something to to look at to respond to, but you also again from my point of view you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you need an emotional yes. response too. So as you're searching for the source material, how does it shape your interpretation, even if you're not using a specific source? I'm not sure that I'm going to answer this as linearly as no. as, as as I could, but I'll tell you the process of looking for this, mm-hmm. the information. I will say Marie Ivanovich, which both she, Christine Blasey Ford, Fiona Hill, they're all shot from below predominantly. So we're sort of looking up their nose, mm-hmm. which is never a good thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm always looking for, for a sort of a base image that will give me a, ni- a nice sort of straightforward structure. And then I start looking for the pieces around the edges that if, if the eyes aren't doing what I would need them to do, I'd look for eyes that I you know find. I have developed more ability to 
move things around than, than I'm actually sort of explained to you. I have, a, I have a little bit more control now because I've had to with these paintings yeah. of inventing things. There's also invention in... The whole thing is invention, mm -hmm. basically. You're invent right. inventing two-dimensional language to explain a three-dimensional form. So however I choose to paint a jawline, you know, it's, it's, it's always an interesting process to me of how much to leave out and how much to put in to get a likeness that people will believe. That's, that's my biggest sort of bugbear. Like, does this, I, I run in and out to my wife all the time saying, but does this look like the person? She, oh, yes. And, you know, she, she, gets, <laughs> she gets infuriated and thinks that, I, why can't I see that it looks like the person? But, you know, in the, in the stages going through, it looks yeah. quite odd often. Are you, you're sort of getting to know the person as you're looking yes. at these sources. And so I guess in your answer prompted kind of this the balance between likeness and image maybe or your your interpretation of who the person is to you balanced with making sure that it's a likeness there's sometimes a lightning bolt moment and I mm -hmm. go I have to paint Marie Ivanovich and I just run out the door and start mm -hmm. or there's a sort of slow build-up for the longest time I didn't paint Nancy Pelosi mm -hmm. just didn't didn't, didn't, didn't. And then all of a sudden, I had to paint Nancy Pelosi. You know, so there's, there's often these figures that have been in my mind or in my psyche for a long time, years sometimes. Same with Elizabeth Warren. I just I didn't mm. paint Elizabeth Warren. Not because I was, knew that I thought that I wouldn't ever, but there just wasn't this urgency. And it's the ones that have this urgent factor, which is the the people like Marie Ivanovich and Fiona Hill, Christine Blasi Ford, Emma Gonzalez, um, even Greta, um, mm. a, that she felt like this sort of got to get it now. While it's not so much while they are hot, but it's while I feel this kind of the drive heat to right. yeah to well, make it's it sort of the energy yeah. right the the energy that's happening around them maybe more than like if an actress is hot you know, right now. <laughs> but this is more of a, a an energy moment. from the people. Yeah, yes. yeah. 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 It, it is, actually. It's, and it, those paintings are really exciting to me because I, now that I've done a few of them, I sort of, I recognize the feeling and don't question it so quickly, so, so lengthily. I just sort of get, you know, get into the, okay, start, start making this happen. And if the, on two or three occasions, it's been that whether... There's some time passed as I'm making them, and then this person suddenly comes back into the the consciousness of everybody while I get it out in the world. It kind of just explodes in an hmm. entirely... It's ex received in an entirely different way than if I just paint, say... I don't know. I don't, I don't want to name a name. Somebody's currently doing great things, and I choose yeah. Yeah. you know, not to paint them necessarily. No, I mean, but... So my... I say, like, my home art, like, my home base art is mm. theater. That's the thing that I grew up loving to see and to participate in and to do. And and I spent a lot of time producing theater, and, and I can relate in a sort of way about that because I think there is this artists, whether they are playwrights or directors or, or painters or composers, are responding to what is happening in the world and that can sometimes take a while to digest and to process and we are currently although I am sure any person in the 20th century would say this too but we are living in a moment of such turnover such instantaneous turnover that this the value of meditating or processing or taking a breath and thinking about what something means to you or to us i'm using a lot of hand motions here i'm sorry has been sort of short circuited in our in our collective conversation yes. and so i'm always it is it's like i just remember working on plays i would read a play fall in love with it and by the time we got it up and opened it like the the moment had seemed to pass mm. oh yeah um or it had passed during rehearsals and then it came right back again <laughs> and it, it's this, yes. how that that need that that the creative community provides mm. to help us reflect and meditate on what is happening in our world and give us perspective mm -hmm. is so vital and we are we got to figure out ways to like 
I don't know, pull out that timeline so that that can be part of the equation when we are thinking about making decisions. Yes. Yeah. And the opportunity that artists have to tell really complicated stories. Mm. I think about my own children, and they're going to look at your work now and in the future. And there's so many interesting things that are happening in the in you know nationally with all these very complicated subject matters. We're really relying right now on the artist mm-hmm. to be able to put it out there, because otherwise it doesn't seem to be heard. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm really grateful for work that you're doing because it it was like I got choked up when I saw Persisters. Mm-hmm. I was like. Oh my gosh, these are women persisting. And I thought to myself, what am I doing? Mm. Like that's interesting. Yeah. How do I contribute to this movement? Cuz I think of it as a movement, yep. you know, of women putting themselves out there and being vulnerable and saying, you know, this isn't right or standing up for something and so it yeah, it did it made me and I think that's where my teeriness came from is what am I doing? Right. You know, to yes. to help Th- tell st- tell to the hear. story, you know. So Speaking to your point of the sort of length of time that I always remember somebody told me that the the amount of time that is spent in front of a painting is relative to the amount of time the artist spent in front of the painting making it. Now, relative. Interesting. Two and a half months, you know, looking at the painting. But still, (laughs) the same ratio of time spent. Yeah. But I, for myself, I always want to just sort of sort of make work that was relevant. I mean, we all do. We all want to be relevant. And the only way I feel like I can make work that has any kind of impact is to make something that is, to me, very traditional and conventional. The the portrait and straight up and no Mm -hmm. pose, no nothing. And that feels like that's the only thing I can do to sort of cut through this thing that you're speaking Mm -hmm. about, that it's, it's in its most simple form. Perhaps somebody will stand a bit longer in front of it. It also makes it a bit more powerful, I think, because it's just, it's literally almost just a head. Well, and what you were saying about the composition, right? That is a very aggressive composition choice. Yes. And it does, it requires, it holds you accountable, Julie. Yes. Yes. Holds the the viewer accountable in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, the scale of it and then also the layers of the paint. It's just like, I don't know, really intense. Oh. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was really very powerful. Yeah, it was even online. Um, yeah. And not, you know, it it had impact. That's, so. Yes, that's great. I, there's, there's only a certain amount of people that could see it, so the right. rest of the world hopefully see it online. So you're not alone. So yeah. Don't, don't uh, worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's all of my undergrad classes about, like, art and the mechanical age of reproduction and, like, how do you, <laughs> you know, yes. yeah. how, does, how is art, how do you share art to the masses? But mm. I think that's another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Emily, I want to ask you, how do we create – I mean, you and I work together, and mm-hmm. I feel really lucky that I have this access to right. this knowledge and kind of plan with you and Mass Creative, but how how can we all get involved in, you know, talking more about arts advocacy and what are some of the things, initiatives that you guys have going on for this? So one of the things I would say is you should go to our website, www.mass-creative.org and sign up for our newsletters and our mailing list. So we one of our goals is to make taking action in support of a stronger creative community as easy and as straightforward as possible. You can very quickly learn about an issue and then compose a communication to your legislator. We, we sort of focus on state legislation mm-hmm. and the, our state-level decision makers through our systems and through our websites and, and affect change. It really does matter how many calls and emails and questions at legislators' town halls they get about the arts and about their positions on various bills that we are supporting. And you can go online and see what we're, we're working on right now. But we really want to make it so that everyone feels Everyone is reminded of their agency in the decision-making process when it comes to legislation. So that's the first one. Then the other one, and I sort of touched on this, is we there are elected decision-makers that we run into in coffee shops, at town halls. <laughs> Lucky them. At, on the beach. <laughs> um, and, and, and 
when it's appropriate, you are allowed. And in, spa- in fact, I encourage you to say, <laughs> hey, what was the last piece of art you saw? Like, how, how do you mm. see artists playing a role in your district or in your town? A large coalition of incredibly driven people worked really hard to help change the funding formula for schools so that there are more dollars going to schools across the Commonwealth, particularly schools in need. And there are going to be a series of decisions about how that money is spent. And a mass creative, we can we've got some fact sheets that tell you and and show the evidence that when schools invest in more arts classes for their kids, in more performance opportunities for their students, that there's a like more of a likelihood that they will show up for school, mm-hmm. that they will feel that they have um, that they are accepted in their classrooms, that they are excited about excelling and being part of their school community. And so we want to encourage people to remind their superintendents and say, hey, when you're drawing up your plans for how you're going to spend that increased formula dollars, think about the arts. Think about how you can support your art departments in that work. You know, I think on the, so to recap, sign up for our newsletters and our email <laughs> list. Um, and then encourage encourage more conversation with your mm. with people in your community with your neighbors and with your local decision makers about how the arts make a difference mm. I love that we worked with you when Julian Sear was running initially and the best experience Emma and I we were new together and uh and Tracy from your office yeah. helped us navigate this, but we met with everyone. And it was a big year for – because right Senator Wolf was leaving, and so there was a new senator coming in. And we interviewed every single person who was on the roster, and that was our question. What's your experience with arts and culture here on Cape Cod? And Julian Sear obviously is you know very entrenched in arts and culture here on the Cape, so we really got a winner with him, super engaged, and he is always welcome, welcoming to ideas when you see him, like, at a gala. Right, sure, <laughs> or, sure, sure, or, sure. Or the coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> He's um, always very, you know, open to to conversation. So yeah. you're right. Like, why not bring it up? Rep Vieira is the same way. Always really excited about talking about how to create more access right. to arts and culture. I love what you were saying about in that process. So the the work we partnered on was Create mm-hmm. the Vote, which is a yes. um, public education campaign. And it's got like all of our work, there's a couple of goals. One mm-hmm. one is making sure more candidates understand that this is an issue that their constituents care about mm-hmm. and making sure constituents know they can share the what they care about with their, their <laughs> yes. candidates running for office. But also, it's an education moment to say, mm-hmm. here's what is in your district to a right. legislator, or here's what would make a difference mm-hmm. to the creative community in your in your school district. Mm-hmm. And I think we as a sector sometimes we're so great. I'm looking at Joe, we're so great about crafting and advocating for other issues a lot of times around social issues, social right. policy issues. But we can attach that same level of advocacy for our needs and examine and say, what would make it easier for me to be an artist mm. in Truro or to be an actor in the Berkshires. And so we want to make sure that legislators are hearing from hearing those stories mm-hmm. and saying, you know what, it does make a difference that public transportation is really hard across the Commonwealth. Right. And that issue matters to me as mm-hmm. an artist or mm-hmm. as a cultural leader. We love being able the you know, again, I'm going to mention Matt Wilson, our founding mm-hmm. executive director, and his strong belief in, and again, the sort of thesis statement of Mass Creative is that when we share our personal stories of impact mm. about how the creative community, how the arts have changed us and our neighbors and our families and our communities for the better, mm-hmm. that that is a powerful tool in our advocacy work. So mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. And there's, and there's lots of data to back that up. So Absolutely. The notion of being supported as an artist in yeah. on... I can speak only from myself being in Provincetown. You guys speak more broadly about the Cape in its entirety. But um, from the moment that I arrived in Provincetown, I mean, it literally, I remember sort of Pam was being, was mm. under construction. Mm. I was 
you know, a hard hat was thrust into my hand and, you know, go in the back and you'll find Chris McCarthy and she'll, yes. you know, and yes. that was it. And there's, you know, sort of love at first sight. And we've yeah. just, we've stayed friends since then and just mm-hmm. watched each other's, you know, processes going on. And I've been involved with so much, st- many events over there, mm-hmm. teaching like the, the, the level of support, if you are, if you're willing to engage, it's there. It's not, you know. Mm. It's there for oh, everybody. Wow. It's it's fantastic. It's also the Fine Arts Work Centre. You know, mm. I've done stuff at the Fine Arts Work Centre too, and of course the Commons. And I have to yeah. mention the ever lovely, wonderful Pete Hocking. Oh my God! Who yes. just I can't get enough of. He's so <laughs> we so fantastic. Either. I mean, he was he installed my show at the Commons after co-curating it, and you know, couldn't there was nothing nothing too difficult for him. It just it, it was effortless and seamless and beautiful. Oh. And just, I, I, if you're listening, Pete, thank you so much. The artistic ecosystems that exist in Massachusetts, the artists who are making the work that impacts all of our lives, the people like Pete or Chris mm. who are making it possible for artists to have spaces to show and the support they need, mm. you know, the the arts foundations and the grant makers who are channeling dollars to make change and and I think the advocacy groups there's you know there's a couple of others besides mass creative there's Massachusetts artist leaders coalition there's arts learning that are helping organize us mm. um that that ecosystem is strong mm. it needs attention it needs watering yeah <laughs> yes to, to <laughs> yeah. mix my metaphors here yeah. <laughs> but uh they are they are all interconnected and yes, they don't exist absolutely. without the other and that's you know, again, as somebody who comes from theater and understands collaborate, you know, you don't have a show if you don't have a costume shop or a costume designer or an actor or the words to say or a director to think about the vision. It's inherently collaborative. And, and that's one of the things that I love about Mass Creative is getting to better understand the powerful networks and ecosystems that exist across the Commonwealth and that Mass Creative has the opportunity to learn together with and to help knit us all together towards larger statewide action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the the opportunities to show work on the Cape are, mm-hmm. are incredible, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking now I have two pieces in Provincetown and show at PAM nice. and at the Commons. I'm going upstairs to submit something for the show here at the Cultural Center. Then I have to go to the Katuit Center and drop off a piece for the winter art. So... And I am not a full-time artist. I have have my job at PTV, but just the welcome, the welcoming atmosphere, and the the opportunities to to show things really do exist. You know, mm-hmm. there isn't so people who are hesitating, go go for it, do it. Yes. You know, absolutely. You know, because why not? If you're exactly. if you're making art, mm-hmm. and I was having a conversation with a couple of colleagues at a conference, and I I was posting some things online and he said oh i i was drawing the other day i love it but i'm terrible and i just thought so what first of all so what you're enjoying it and 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 they they were coloring some there was a coloring activity and they're like i love those markers and i said spend a little you know spend go spend twenty dollars at the art store and you don't have to show it to anybody yet but Mm -hmm. eventually you will get to the point where you want to and you mm-hmm. practice. It's like mm-hmm. everything else. Like you're talking about mm. getting skills, Joe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yep. practice. Yes. It's not there. We have our lightning bolt moments, but the basic skills are, are practice. Yes, and, that, and knowing that people are friendly and they want you to participate. Amy, so I had a phenomenal elementary school art teacher who on her, you know, to supplement her income, did an after school activity for art mm-hmm. class. And it was called Clayworks. And mm. I, as like a six-year-old, got to hand build to my heart's delight. And it was, you know, something that I love to do and that my mother still proudly shows some of my <laughs> second grade pieces. There's a whole trivet set for the holidays. Fast forward to I'm 23 years old. I'm living in Louisville, Kentucky. I don't know a soul. I have this really exciting job, but I realize that my balance is off. Mm. And I suddenly have these stretches of weekends where I've got too much time to think. And I barged my way into a wheel throwing class at a local space and found a community instantly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Communities exist. And, and that that working in clay and the practice of that mm-hmm. has been so helpful to me becoming like, sorry, frankly, a, a whole rounded, well-rounded individual. 
and that 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 still continues to this day. You know, I um, I took a little break when I had a daughter, but Mudflat Studio in Somerville is a space that was so welcoming and just. I'm here at the cultural center and snuck into their play space <laughs> and almost <laughs> almost like set up shop. But yeah, that these these things help us in ways that we don't understand yeah. until mm-hmm. much yeah. later. And yeah. that they're not you don't have to say you're a professional artist to do it. Like right. There's people play basketball in. on the weekends. I swim on the weekends. I'm yeah. not Frankly, I won't be at the Olympics. You're not? Um, no. Really? Sadly. Um, I won't go pro, but we can still enjoy it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. right. Yeah, but it, it is interesting, though, what you label yourself as, depending uh-huh. on what you want to be. Right. Because in that, if you don't label yourself as a swimmer, then you wouldn't show up at all. Mm. Oh, totally. totally. You, might, you might not be an Olympian, or you might yeah. not choose to be an Olympian, or you could be. But you, it's, but <laughs> Thanks, it's, Joe. It's, it, it, goes, it goes back to that question of, you know, Get your work in. Get get it yeah. shown. When I became a full time painter, I had yeah. previously been a magazine designer, and I remember the woman that I worked with. The girls around her said, "Oh, let's call Joe and get her in to do some freelance." And the woman said, "We can't. She's a painter now." Oh. And I thought, <gasps> "That's wow. Yeah, that's thank really you. Really awesome. That yeah. that that sort of yeah. just changed my whole way yeah. of thinking and seeing myself. And it wasn't that I was a better or worse painter, but I was a painter now. Yeah. So I could go ahead and learn to be a good, a good painter, hopefully. Mm-hmm. I also want to sort of add an, another comment to the, yeah. to the support system. And that, that is, if you are an artist of any description, if you have a spouse that supports you, that is good golden Mm. my wife carolyn kramer has supported me from the get-go she has her own way of doing things it's not necessarily my way and we figured out a way of how and when she views the work because we've gone through you know all sorts of let's say misunderstandings about (laughs) about about what we're both seeing you know so we've we've sorted out how it works now but Aside from all of that, she's my number one supporter, and I just mm. and people would stop that. me on the street and say, "Do you realize what you have with Carolyn?" Oh, yeah. That was amazing because she's so good in, at Facebook and doing all of that sort of stuff. And I do realize what I have. So yes, oh. thank you, Carolyn. Forgive me. Is Carolyn also an artist, or she's, no? She isn't. She's a, she's a gallerist. Okay. Her her old career. She was a model agent in New York, oh, so she wow. transferred her skills to oh, how representing. Cool. Visual talent, I guess. Oh, that's fantastic! Oh. Those people, the the support networks, the the yeah. partner relationships, yes. and the, the spouses, you know, that make it possible to do our work yes. are are invaluable. And and I think that the interplay. I so my husband's a theatrical lighting designer and does a lot of shows out of town and occasionally does shows in town. And you know, we had a, a child a couple of years ago, and that sort of cut down on us being able to see to go out and see a lot of things and for me to go see his work. And he called me at a break, at a tech break, about a show that was at the Huntington Theater. And he said, Em, you really got to come and see this. I really want you to see this play. And I went and saw it, you know. Um, th- thank you, Huntington Theater, for your generous comp policy for the artists you hired <laughs> um, and <laughs> to their friends and family. And the act of seeing your loved one's artistic product Mm. and being reminded of that part of them for me was just such a godsend this at the end of this past calendar year Mm. it was a phenomenal play and I'm so proud of his work and yeah it's it that partnership is so important yes and moves you in different ways the tolerance Mm. required I think to be with somebody who's making any kind of artwork because it's not a nine to five you know it's it's not that I'm up at three in the morning necessarily but I I certainly don't I don't really notice the time let's say so I can two hours be gone and you know where have you been oh I was just you know so she's very tolerant with regard to just the practicalities of being a working painter Thinking is really underestimated. (laughs) You know, you have to have action, action, action. And I I say this all the time on the podcast, so I'm sorry I'm saying it again, but I finally have forgiven myself for staring at the wall for like 45 Mm. minutes because I need that time to process things. Yes, and we tend to fight that urge to Mm -hmm. just not do anything. And I'll have the same kind of day where I'm like, oh, God, I feel like I didn't do anything. And I just wanted Mm. to walk down Main Street. And then someone said to me, 
you're processing what, your work. Mm. You're thinking mm-hmm. about what you, you're resting your brain and you're processing what you need to do next. And I'm like, yeah, I don't and then like the next, it. But the next day you <laughs> like explode. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. something yeah. comes up. Yeah, the cycle and the rhythms. Okay. So one of the questions that we like to ask and um, to wrap it up mm-hmm. um, is how do you kind of practice self-care as you're navigating these big ideas and these big portraits and they're they're big they're bigger than you mm. and how do you find some clarity and peace i practice my drums oh which right. i have a practice pad drum kit in my studio so i can literally just go for a moment and you know get away from the eye or the ear or whatever i'm sort of grappling <laughs> with and sit and the the, the literal practice of counting is very mm. as you know meditative in itself so i'll do that or i'll go and walk on the beach and take a long as far as i can go and then turn around turn around when i'm tired so that i get home and i'm really exhausted but that's i, I like to read but i find that reading i because i've done all of those other things i sort of pick up the book and unfortunately i'm asleep so i have to a lot reading time otherwise i don't get it done gardening i i sort of in your category I can't sit still so I try to have those moments where I'm looking at the wall I try to just kind of but as far as I can do it is to sit with the drums and kind of you know be quiet like that which is sort of a bit oxymoron really but (laughs) (laughs) totally get it yeah Yeah. Yeah. how about you Emily um that's a good question it's actually something that I am spending a lot of time thinking about is how to do better self-care and the the political act of self-care, actually. I, I, for a while, was running, and that mm-hmm. was really, really helpful. And then the other thing that I do is I I sort of take chunks of time and get away. So mm-hmm. I've had I've had the luxury of, of being able to be down here on the Cape for a couple of days and walking along the beach and mm-hmm. being reminded of the rhythms of, the, of nature has been extremely helpful. Getting outside yeah. is, like, mm-hmm. critical, yeah. I'm finding. Yes. It is. When it you really don't go is. outside, yeah. you, you feel it. And then the other thing I would say is I have a three-year-old, and uh, <laughs> I took – when she was about six months old, we started going to a parent-child class together that I jokingly but actually very really believe was sort of yoga for parenting. It was an hour and a half of being present with my child. And I derive a lot of reminders to stay present when I'm with her and actually putting the phones down, put it, you know – not not being with her while I am food shopping, but being with her and witnessing her imagination has been really restorative to my practice and my soul. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's lovely. Thanks. Yeah. Any interesting – I mean, we're, we just entered 2020. Do you have any hopes and dreams, revelations for 2020? I want to be able to play Tell Me Something Good with a really funky feel. <laughs> True. Okay. All right. Nice. And I would like... No. That's, I, there's so many, I guess. I, 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 I'd like not to go to war. Yeah. So but tell us what you would like, because I'm going to bring us down now. <laughs> so I am in... I, have, I was named our executive director in September of 2019. And at simultaneous mass creative has sort of been going through a strategic planning process. And so I'm really excited about the next evolution of mass creative. And what I want to see is I want to see more people feeling included in our work and being able to welcome them into our movement. And actually to do a little bit better of a job of connecting with artist leaders and art artist community leaders and organizers and having them be part of our work in greater numbers. Mm. So that's my professional goal for 2020. <laughs> and my personal goal is to, I will be turning 40 next November <laughs> and I will be going to New Orleans because I want to go to Preservation Hall and see a beautiful jazz. Mm. And I also will probably be going down there to run my second half marathon. So yes. Congratulations. I put it on the record. This podcast will be my accountability. <laughs> yes. I mean, you can tell the sort of headspace I'm in. I'm sort of I'm in the the the, the transition between one set of twelve paintings and the next mm. set of twelve paintings. So yeah. I'm having a, I'm having a little moment of respite. 
but I would like to get them out in the world. I'd like to get them out in, to an academic institution, probably, where not just women can see them, but men can see them too. Mm -hmm. Because men responded very well to them, which is was fantastic to experience too. Mm -hmm. But I just I want them out in the world as a group mm -hmm. um, to stay yes. together. And hopefully by the end of the year, there'll be 24 of them. And maybe that will be the end of it, depending on the election. Or not. But yeah, or not. Yeah, I just want them out further out in the world now. Mm. What about you, Amy? I haven't asked you. Let's see. I guess professionally what I would like to do is see PTV reach more people in the sense that have uh, more participation and mm -hmm. for people to know that it's a welcoming place where you don't, a lot of people come in and say, but I don't know how to make video. And that's why we're here. You don't have to yeah. have any experience, just a place for people to be creative or political or mm -hmm. use just use our resources. And personally, I started making art again, that wasn't photography. And so I want to continue on that path and make more art and show more art. Oh, that's right. a good one. All right, Julie. So professionally, I'm really excited where the Arts Foundation is going. We are also going in a, uh, a year of strategic planning. So I'm excited about that. I personally love the idea of creating more access to the arts. And that's in a kind of broad sense. You know, we started an access program this past year, creating access and funding for economically challenged families to connect with extracurricular mm. arts activities. And so that's really kind of evolved into this bigger program, which now we're taking busloads of kids to <laughs> different oh, things because we found out that transportation, it is much needed. Yeah. And so it's really rolled into that. And our funders and supporters are all about it. And so now we're looking at other things to create even more access and working with healthcare providers to find out, like, what could we do to connect more people to the healing side or the connection of arts, making neighborhoods better, you know, making community tighter. And so that really excites me for the year and for the next few years to work on that strategic plan. And then personally, I need to just pause and remember and, like, say, hey, good job. Like, you did a good job. Let's settle down. <laughs> you need to stop painting or make them some kind of pot so that you've got well, products I do. to see what you've done. Yeah, yes. That, yes. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's something. Big deal. Yes. So I actually, I do draw with my daughter. I work with an artist, Sarah Hall, here in Dennis, or in Dennis Village. And I paint and draw with my 11-year-old in a, you know, a drop-in portrait class, which anyone's welcome. You can go in and there are people of all levels. It's actually quite incredible like the people I'm next to, including my daughter, is incredible. So I find that that has been kind of my little, my little like getaway on Saturday mornings with her. And one of the things that has been really funny is I was stuck on like a certain material. You know, Amy and I always talk about different materials. And Sarah Hall said to me, you can change up your materials, you know. And I said, well, that would be cheating. And she was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, you're not cheating. If you use a pencil, because I'd been doing <laughs> pastels. <laughs> and I was like, well, I thought I was supposed to just use pastels. And she was like, no. So this past weekend, I actually <laughs> used, I decided to do ink and Yay, watercolors. Right. And so, oh, yeah, so I'm, I'm like releasing some of the structure mm. and these rules that I put on myself. So it's interesting when you feel like there's only one way to do things. Like you have this sort mm -hmm. of linear approach that this, you know, and somebody comes along and says, no. And you're like, what do you mean, no? <laughs> she goes, why? And I this. said, I'm che cheating. And she goes, on what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was like, what are you cheating? Funny that you think it was cheating as opposed mm. to just like, oh, my God, it's another discipline that I have to learn, like another, like, how do I, I'm just going to grips with pastel. How do I do pencil? But no, you thought you were cheating. That's Because <laughs> it, it was easier for me. Oh, mm. Do the easy thing. Because mm. What you're drawing is the hard thing. Then just you, you know find the easy thing. That's that's once I yeah. sort of got off my own case about thinking I needed to be a photorealist or something that was yeah, you know yeah. much tighter. Do the do the thing that comes naturally and push it really hard. Oh, that's good advice. Thank you. That is great. That's advice. really good advice. Remove an obstacle. Thanks so much for listening, and thank you again to today's guest Emily Reddick of Mass Creative and portrait painter Joe Hay. For this episode of the Creative Exchange Podcast, I'm Amy Davies, Executive Director of Provincetown Community Television. And I'm Julie Wake, Executive Director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. Until next time, arts matter. 
Thanks, guys. Thank you very much for having us. Support for the Creative Exchange podcast is made possible by Delbrook JKS. Music for the Creative Exchange podcast is the work of Jordan Renzi. Produced in association with Billingsgate Records by Jordan Renzi and Andrew Staker at Big Red Studios in Wellfleet. The Creative Exchange podcast is brought to you by the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod, Provincetown Community Television, and the Cultural Center of Cape Cod in South Yarmouth. In the desert, to the oasis, this time I'm not afraid, no this time. Afraid. No, this time.